Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. Today, you'll meet our next guest host, para-athlete and musician, Ella Bouvard. Ella Bouvard is a 22-year-old para-athlete and musician. Ella's main sports are triathlon, wheelchair rugby, and motorsport. Ella plays guitar and sings and gigs regularly. Ella mainly plays music in pubs and at festivals in the summer. Ella has been a full-time wheelchair user for three and a half years and is a musician for around two and a half years. They absolutely love finding their feet and learning what it is to be a musician. Welcome, Ella. We are delighted to have you as the next guest host of the Able Voices podcast. Hello. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I'd like to start off by asking us to tell us your story as an artist. How did you get your start as an artist and how did you get to where you are today? Um, So growing up, I did a little bit of musical theatre and dance uh, when I was a lot younger and I then got into horses and horses took over and I sort of had to make my mind up to do one or the other and I went Mm. for horses and then in 2019 I became disabled and I also lost my pony so I kind of had a very abrupt end to that part of my life and I felt a bit lost I didn't really have a lot to do at that point Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing any para sport and I was sat around at home quite a lot sort of trying to find my feet and not really knowing where I wanted to my, my life to go from this point. So, and I, so when I was at school, I used to sort of, as I say, be into music a little bit. So I thought maybe I'll go back to that. So I Googled and I found a local choir and I joined that and I started singing again. That led to me finding mm. new friends who introduced me to other musicians um and I was in a duo for a little bit and we managed to do one gig before lockdown hit (laughs) um and then we got locked away for a couple of years um so in that time period I thought why don't I go and get a guitar myself so I did I went and bought a guitar and at this point the world was sort of opening up a little bit Uh and yeah so I got a guitar and I learnt to play and sing at the same time which is really really complicated (laughs) when you get to it my brain could not handle that for a while um but yeah that is sort of how I got into music in a squished down version (laughs) I love it um so you've related this already a bit but can you talk a little bit about your experiences as a person with a disability and an artist and athlete with a disability Yeah, I mean, it's different. It's very different. Um, You know, the you experience a lot of ableism day to day. It's just part of my life now. And trying to get on top of that is (laughs) difficult and trying to sort of teach people that, you know, telling me that I'm getting a speeding ticket in the supermarket is not funny (laughs) Um, and all things like that. Um, But more specifically, as a musician, you know, I book gigs where I can't get into the pub. I can't get to the toilet in the pub. Um, I, you know, I have to get on the floor and scoot along the floor to get to the toilet. But I, yeah, (laughs) like quite a lot because over here, we're not quite as advanced as the US. I know you guys have the ADA, which is very much um, 
this is a law, do it. Whereas over here we have the Equality Act, which has a lot of reasonable adjustment. So a pub can turn around and go, but our building is 600 years old, so we're not changing it. Oh, um, wow. So there's a lot of that. Um, but kind of my way of combating that in a way is that I just book the gig anyway and I turn up and I do it and I will, you know, it takes, my mum has to come with me to gigs to get me in the equipment in um, or whoever is coming with me. And we will get me in the venue and I will, you know, go on the floor to the toilet or whatever. And very often that is how you implement change instead of sitting there and I don't want to say moaning about it because that sounds bad, but actually for a landlord to see that happen quite often makes change. So there's one venue where I used to go to their jams and their open mics and I used to support them a lot, but I had to do that to get to the toilet. And they have now put planning application in for a whole new toilet block that's got a disabled toilet. Um, So, you know, I've seen in real time how actually me turning up and doing that can implement actual real change so as difficult as it is and obviously not everyone is able to do that I'm you know I have quite a lot of function I'm from being an athlete I'm very strong I can drag myself along the floor quite easily I can get myself on and off the toilet so for someone like me to go and do that I think I mean a lot of the time it really really shocks landlords and they are like I didn't you know I didn't know this was a problem um so yeah I think that really helps make change in the bigger picture um and that's i guess my way of going about um making things happen is just by doing them wow i i, I want to ask you about your ath- athletic work but before we go there um what you're saying about how you know when you find out that a place is not accessible one pathway is to refuse to go mm-hmm. right the other pathway is the one that you're taking where you're saying well too bad I'm showing up. I'm going to deal with it. I can deal with it. And this is a way to make that, that issue Mm -hmm. right central in front of people, because I think people don't realize what something being inaccessible really is. Yes. I think, yeah, I, I think you're right there. I think until people actually see it with their own eyes and a lot of the times, you know, it's until people experience disability within their personal circle that actually it hits them. So if I can bring that to people without, say, it being their own family member, like a lot of my friends um, now, they'll say, oh, this venue's got like one step in, but the toilet is flat. They're all learning themselves. Um, So, yeah, it's just it's making more and more people aware of what needs to be done. Um, But, yeah, as you say, definitely until people see it, they quite often don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I ever knew, really. Um, until I had to deal with it. I, you know, I think back to sort of 16 year old me, would she have known, or 18 year old, would she have known about access issues? Probably not. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love that this is your, the path that you've chosen to, to take because I think it's, it is literally, you're seeing the results making a difference. So yeah. you're a para athlete. I want to know about you as an athlete and, oh. and what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, me as an athlete is very competitive <laughs> um, so yeah I got into triathlon um, what is it two years now yeah two years ago I um, met up with my now coach and just had a go at hand cycling thought this is fun he then made me go swimming and maybe go and do race chair so I just ended up doing triathlon <laughs> um, and yeah oh it's amazing so I I just did triathlon for a year and then I, so with that, I, what do I do? So my, my general sort of week to week split 
is that Monday I do race chair and quite often race chair and rugby. Tuesday I swim, Wednesday I'm back on the track race chair, Thursday I cycle, Friday off, Saturday off and then Sunday I train in the park very early. <laughs> that That's my typical week. Sometimes it changes here and there. And then, yeah, I just race as and when I can. So I, as well as doing triathlon, I do wheelchair racing on its own. I really like sort of 10K half marathon, that sort of distance. Um, so, yeah, I've, I did my first elite wheelchair races last year, um, which were really good fun. And then, yeah, I um, my friend sent me a link to this adapted track day last year and she said this looks like something you'd really enjoy and I said absolutely let's go <laughs> so oh, I went on that and I um you know sort of made friends with the guy who did it uh he invited me to go and play rugby <laughs> so I now play oh. rugby uh with Crawley Jets but with the track days I now run their social media I do the photography videography um because Johnny's a bit of an old man <laughs> He won't mind me saying that. So he's not very good at it. So I took over that side. So I get to go on all the track days and I get to see people again. You know, I love seeing disabled people do things that they didn't think they could do because people turn up yeah. in the morning and they see the cars going around and they go, no way. <laughs> and by the afternoon, you know, they've driven around, they've gone around as a passenger. Cool. It's amazing. And then rugby, I just get to bring out my violent side. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so wheelchair rugby is the only full contact wheelchair sport. <laughs> It's amazing. So good. So yeah, that's, that's me. It's wow. very busy. I'm very busy, but it's great fun. And then you're gigging on top of that. You are very busy. Um, I love what you said, this, this one sentence that you said, where you love to see disabled people doing things they never thought they could do, mm -hmm. right? Um, for us, that's arts education. Yeah. Um, for you, that's your music and all the, all the athletic stuff that you're doing. It's amazing. It's great. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I've got, so my friend, uh, she's got, I don't actually know how old they are, but she's got two young kids, both are disabled, and one of them is just getting into race chair, and I cannot wait to just see him um, sort of progress. Um, he's, he's about six, I think. He's the right sort of age to get into it. Um, and I'm like, let's go, because <laughs> this is going to be so much fun to sort of, um, like, help teach him and also learn with him and, yeah, just show him the things that you can do and just I, I yeah no I love it it's it's really good fun to as I say yeah see people do what they definitely didn't think they could do and, and race cars is definitely you know and I said to one of the girls when I was on my first track day I said I don't think either of us would be here if we were able-bodied because I certainly wouldn't pay to go on a track day or have signed up for it because I kind of I wouldn't have thought that that would be something I needed to do and I think that's the same with everything I do I very much had a path and I would have stuck to it. Whereas now I branch out, I do so many things. And I think that is down to being disabled and just seeing that actually life is like, life is so precious and you've just got to do everything that you can do. And yeah, I guess that's kind of my ethos for everything. I love that. Um, I think a lot of people need to hear that. Thank you. Um, so I know that our listeners are going to be curious about how you learned how to sing, how you learned music. Can you just talk, I, I hear that there's a bunch of DIY in here, but I, I want to know more. Yeah, so um, yeah, like when I read your question, I thought I don't really have a music education as such. Um, so I, as well as being physically disabled, I'm also autistic, which I don't really talk a lot about anymore because I think uh, being physically disabled almost takes over 
in a way. Um, but mm. I really didn't get on with school. I left school when I was 14 and had a really bad few years with like anxiety and panic attacks. And just I wasn't diagnosed autistic then and we just didn't really know how to deal with it. It just all got too much. But when I was still in school, I used to go up to the music rooms at break and lunch because I didn't want to be around anyone. <laughs> so I'd take myself off to the music room and I would just play piano and I would sing. And I'd never had any training. I think I had one piano lesson at primary school. And I just bashed away and sort of learned how to play piano and would sing. And it was like a really good outlet for me. So when I left school, I sort of left that behind. So I felt like I've kind of gone back to it, but I, so I do still play a bit of piano here and there, but it's not a very practical instrument to play. Um, hence why I thought I'd get a guitar. And my education for guitar was Ultimate Guitar and YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just learned the chord shapes with the little, what do you call them? The little tabs. Um, yes. Yeah. So I played guitar for a week and then went out busking. <laughs> I just I think and I think that probably comes down to my autistic pattern loving brain um in that it all sort of made sense to me very quickly um sure. I think I've always been musically inclined in a way it just I can't do music theory I can't explain what I'm doing I just know that I'm doing it which probably sounds crazy um but yeah that's that sort of how how I educated myself um I did have some vocal lessons actually I because I, I thought I love what you said I did have some vocal lessons for a while because I thought if I'm gonna do this I want to do it right mm. I was a bit scared of damaging my voice which to be fair I probably have done a few times quite I don't warm up I go to a gig and I drink some alcohol and then I play <laughs> sing it's not great <laughs> but uh, yeah I just wanted to learn because I I I think I have without sounding too boasty I have quite a powerful voice but I didn't really know what to do with the power mm. so it was trying to find how to sometimes make it softer and all my friends go to me they're like you don't ever use your head voice and I'm like no I don't yeah. <laughs> um so it was just sort of learning to play around with it so yeah I did have a few vocal lessons um, but apart from that I love that and as far as I'm concerned being able to explain something and knowing the theory ultimately, I mean, that's useful for certain things, but when you play a gig and you make music, what's going to grab people is not, wow, she really knows how to explain things. It's going to be about the music, right? So I think that's great. One thing that I always, it. always hear from people is they go like, oh, like I can really feel the emotion. And I'm like, I'm the least emotional person ever. But if you're feeling what you kind of grasp as my emotion, then you know, you feel what you want to feel, but it makes me laugh every time because they're like, oh, I could like really, I can really feel the emotion. I'm like, I promise you, I like, I, I have a stone cold heart. I'm just slightly dead inside. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so it does make me laugh every, that's like a compliment I get all the time. And I'm like, ah, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> it's interesting. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you're working on now? You're, you're gigging now. Is there, are you writing stuff? Are you working on covers? What are you working on? Um, yeah, so it is just mostly gigs, um, getting things booked in for this year. I, I write every now and then. I don't, my, my issue with writing a song is that I don't like people to know how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, and so I you do have emotions. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Haha, I cracked it. And I almost, I feel, I, I do have something to say, but I almost feel like I 
I don't have anything to say when it comes to songwriting in a way yeah. which I, I don't know I just I don't think I've managed to tap into that yet and I think I have to remember that I'm baby when it comes to music so everyone that is around me that is my age has been doing music since they were yay high yeah. um and they're you know their mum or their dad put a guitar in their hand when they were three um so I think I think I would like to write but and and for I'm such a perfectionist and so nothing is ever good enough so that process of a song not being good is probably where I would stop <laughs> instead of waiting it out and making it into something better um but yeah I think I think I probably will try and write at some point um and maybe write with someone that knows what they're doing but yeah that is that is where I'm at for now sure. I'd quite like to um run another open mic I was running open mics and managing a venue but sadly post-covid they've lost all their mm. funds but I was really enjoying that um and really enjoying booking musicians and sort of looking at that side of the industry I don't think I'd want to do it full-time <laughs> um <laughs> but just managing one small venue is is good fun I quite like that side of music as well cool hopefully you can get into that business somewhere else that would be great mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for a young artist or a young athlete with a disability? I'd say just get out there and do it as much as you can. You know, obviously, again, as I was saying earlier, my my kind of barriers to access aren't the same as everyone. No, no one's going to have the same. Yeah, I guess no one. Uh, yeah, no one's barriers to access is going to be the same. Some people, you know, if you were a power chair user, you might not be able to do what I do. If you, you know, something as simple as you have a recurring skin problem, you might not be able to just go on the floor to go to the toilet. It sounds like a simple thing, maybe as an able-bodied person, um, but, you know, there's sort of more to it than that. Um, but, yeah, as much as you can, get get out and do it. And just, you know, I quite like to show the industry that we exist because I, I think people are always very shocked when they see me. And not necessarily in a bad way, but, like, I haven't seen a wheelchair user play music before. And the fact that I think our voices need to be heard, literally and figuratively. Yes. So, yeah, I'll go back to the fact that um, our voices need to be heard um, and people need to know that we exist. Because I think, like, for me, um, trying to find people to interview, I'm like, where are the disabled musicians? And, I, d I mean, I don't think there's too many of us, but I also think there's probably more of us than, than anyone is letting on to. Hmm. So I want to thank you, Ella, for the time you spent with us today. We are really looking forward to the next episode where you will be our guest host. Thanks very much. Very exciting. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. It's good fun. Able Voices is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the Founding Managing Director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista. Kai and Sebastian are students in the Arts Education Programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, Find us online at berkeley.edu slash B-I-A-A-E or email us at B-I-A-A-E at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot edu.